This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hour three, you better you bet, presented by Bet MGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here with you on a Wednesday, filling in for Nick and Ken. We are still with you on stadium for the next hour up until six o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you join us. Watch stadium.com. You can also go to twitch.tv slash betql, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. Or listen to us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. We're going to have two guests join us during this hour. Pat Boyle, host on uh, WFAN and CBS Sports Radio, going to join us at 520. And then Ben Wittenstein will join us as well, 540. NBA betting analyst over at Stadium and live on the line. Talk some NBA with Ben and with Pat. Talk some college hoops as well. Mark, we got game of the night, maybe game of the year in college basketball tonight with uh, IUPUI in Detroit. Have you seen this, the Owen 2016 favorite by five and a half? I did. I did. What a night for college basketball, right? The team, everyone's going to be pumped up to watch Detroit, you know, hopefully get their first win. You know, hopefully get their first win. Big favorites here. You got to bite down. When your mouthpiece deep, if you're going to lay points with a team that hasn't won yet, but I think it might be the right side. I'm sure we'll talk about that one a little later. We certainly will, Mark. What sicko would dare to bet Detroit in that game? We'll we'll talk about that later on in the show. Let's continue talking some college football, though. Let's talk about Alabama. They have the fourth best odds to win the national championship next year at plus 800. Obviously, no more Nick Saban. End of an era in Tuscaloosa. They're coming off their semifinal loss to Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Their schedule's pretty tough next year. Home against Georgia, at Oklahoma, at LSU, at Tennessee. Some tough games for uh, for Bama. Obviously, year one at Kellen DeBoer. Jalen is going to be back. They're going to have one of the best wide receivers in the country, who's a freshman, Ryan Williams, who I can't wait to watch. Lost some guys on defense, as you would imagine, Saban leaving, uh, you know, some of those defensive guys are going to transfer out. But what are your thoughts on Bama year one after Nick Saban? Are you just completely staying away, wanting to see what they look like without Saban? I'm pretty confident in Kalen DeBoer. That, that's the key here. If it was, I think, any, I don't want to say any other coach, but the majority of the other names that were floating around there, um, I was not real confident would be able to come in and have an impact. But Kalen DeBoer has shown that he's able to win at any level he's been at. You know, what he's done at Washington was incredible. And it doesn't take him time to ramp up. Like, he hops in there, gets the job done. He has all the talent, all the resources at Alabama. So I don't think they're going to miss a beat. I I don't want to say they're being undervalued because they had the fourth best odds to win the national championship. But I know a lot of people are jumping off the bus, looking for ways to kind of play against them. 
I'm not one of those guys. I'm not I'm not playing against Kalen DeBoer. I like to bet on Kalen DeBoer, make a lot of money. That's how things go. But I think Alabama is going to be just fine. You know, are they going to win a national championship? I don't know. I know the, the uh, bar is going to be high for Kalen DeBoer, but I think they're in great hands. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough because I agree with you. Everything on Kellen DeBoer, he is the guy that I most wanted Bama to hire. If it couldn't have been Lanning, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be DeBoer. Sark, Lanning, or DeBoer were the three that I wanted. So, please with DeBoer. You said it, though. It's not only that he's won everywhere that he's gone, but he wins quickly. And whoever yes. was going to take over for Nick Saban, Mark, as you know, the expectations were going to be impossible. But it was important to find a coach that was going to win quickly, right? Because the fans mm-hmm. are used every single year to being in the playoff. They're used to going undefeated or losing one game in the regular season. So them losing like three, four games in a regular season, not used to that. So I think bringing in DeBoer is important. I think keeping Ryan Williams at in that program as their receiver is kind of their blue chip recruit was important. A lot, a lot of people have kind of compared that Ryan Williams to Kellen DeBoer could end up being what Julio was to Nick Saban. You know, Saban really didn't have too much success, didn't really have too much experience kind of recruiting in the South before he came to Bama. And that was one of the big concerns that a lot of fans have with DeBoer. He's obviously been a guy who's been on the West, Pacific Northwest, you know, out there in like big sky country and all that. Like, would he be able to recruit in the SEC? So I think getting a guy like Ryan Williams is key for him. Uh, But the schedule is just what concerns me for Bama because Mm -hmm. even with Nick Saban there, these games are already going to be tough as is. And now with him out, like it's even going to be that much tougher. Tennessee is going to be really good this upcoming season. I know we'll dive into them in a little bit. LSU at Oklahoma, like all those games are going to be on the road. And then you got to play Georgia at home. You also get Wisconsin on the road too. So they got some tricky mm. games. They got to play Missouri at home. Missouri's going to be a top 10 team this season. They got a Real nice good. squad coming back. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough schedule for Bama. Personally, I'm not doing anything with them yet because they're going to still have the Alabama tax next to their name, right? Like, mm-hmm. even though Saban's not there, it's still the fear of, like, Bama and the name brand that I think they might – the price maybe should be a little bit better. So I'm going to hold off on Bama. I will say, recently they just lost Ryan Grubb and Scott Huff, the offensive line coach in the OC who were with DeBoer at Washington. They lost both of those guys to the Seahawks. So – those are two big losses to maybe uh, keep an eye on as well. Oregon, you asked Denton Day about Oregon at 10-1. to 1. Denton loves the Ducks this mm-hmm. season. You said you're a big Dan Lanning guy. Do you like the Ducks a lot as well, Mark? Absolutely. I can't wait. And, you know, you bring in Dylan Gabriel, who I think fits that offense even better than what we saw out of Bo Nix, right? Bo Nix had some limitations. Everyone – talked to him about how he was like dumped down Bo Nix and they talked about the screen passes and not being able to stretch the field vertically. Uh, I think Gabriel's aggressive enough to where they're going to do a lot of things. You know, he gets Tez Williams back. I, I think he's going to have plenty of weapons there. So I think Oregon's going to be even better than they were last year. I'm um, really excited to watch this team play and just the culture that Dan Lanning is building, you know, with the Ducks is, is you know, rivals anyone in the country, what he's doing. So I I think they're going to be even better this year. I love Oregon at this number at 10 to one. I think it makes a ton of sense to dive in and grab them. 
Yeah, man, the Ducks, the Ducks are going to be good. And what's, uh, you know, what's key for them is they get Ohio State at home this season. So that's obviously mm-hmm. going to be big. They're at Michigan, but obviously Michigan's not going to have Harbaugh. And they play Washington, who no longer has Kellen DeBoer. So Washington's probably not going to be as good as maybe you had thought before DeBoer moved on. So the schedule is certainly favorable. The fact that they get Ohio State at home, like I certainly could see them, you know, having some tiebreakers and that could be a rematch in the Big Ten title game with Ohio State. I'm with you, though. The way that Lanny's building this program, he's bringing like a physicality to Oregon. They're so good on both lines of scrimmage. He's getting pro prospects and athletes at all the skill position. And now what he's doing with the quarterback room, like the fact that you got Dylan Gabriel to transfer over and Dante Moore, he's getting kids Mm -hmm. to buy into his program. So Oregon's in a good spot. Obviously now in the era that we're in with NIL, having all that Nike money certainly helps, but uh, I'm with you. I think the Ducks are going to be very popular this year, especially at their price at 10 to 1. But uh, I I like Oregon. I think uh, they could have, a really good season. What about Ole Miss at 11 to 1? A lot of talent returning. Jackson Dark comes back. Defense should be much better. Are you ready to get there though yet with a Lane Kiffin team? Like, do you think Ole Miss is, are they just like college football playoff good or do you think they could be national championship good? I think they're college football playoff good, but that's really good. I mean, that's a huge, uh, you know, uh, feather in the cap for Lane Kiffin in a program that really doesn't have the the resources. The way he's able to recruit and the way he's able to win the report the the portal at Old Miss, I think, is tremendous. And I thought when the Alabama job opened up, I know that you know a lot of people were like, "Hey, we don't want to see Lane Kiffin there." But if he was in a, a program that had you know better resources than Old Miss, had a better reach, you know, in the portal, uh, they would be really, really tough. I don't think they can win the national championship, but they're going to be a lot of fun to watch in the playoffs. Not sure what I think about Jackson Dart. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think. I felt like he made some steps last year, and then towards the end of the year. Wasn't so sure, right? It was obviously a better season for him, but is he progressing, you know, the way that you expected to see PJ? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Jackson Dark guy. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's overrated. You know, I think he's a good player, but they're getting priced at 11 to 1, like thinking that Jackson Dart's going to be a Heisman candidate. And I'm just, I'm not there nah. at all. You know, I watch him play and I just, in, in these big games, you know, like, he didn't play good against Bama. And again, Bama's got a great defense. And he didn't play well against yeah. Georgia. And Georgia's got a good defense. And both of those teams are on the road. But for Ole Miss to get to that next step, right, they're going to need their quarterback to be the best player on the field in most games. They're going to need him to carry them to these wins, right? Because for Ole Miss to get over the hump mark, like as you know, they're going to have to beat these teams that they haven't been able to beat forever, right? Like if you want to win the SEC, you got to go through Bama. You got to go through Georgia. You got to win these games. I just don't think Jackson Dart is the quarterback to do that. So I, uh, I'm with you. I certainly think Ole Miss could make the college football playoff just because of how their schedule stacks up to some of these other SEC teams. But I think that's, that's their ceiling. I don't think they're going to make it to the semis. I don't think they're going to make it to the title either. Yeah, I think the key for Ole Miss is when they're able to get a quarterback that allows Lane Kiffin to open up his bag without any kind of restrictions or any kind of limitations. And I feel like when I watch the Ole Miss offense with Jackson Dart, there are limitations. Like it feels like 
almost that Kiffin's trying to protect him at times, trying not to put him in situations where he could get himself in trouble. And if he had a quarterback that he could just let it rip with and really open up that playbook, I think they would be lethal. But they haven't been able to get that guy yet. And I think once they do, I think that's when you're really going to see the running Rebels take a huge step. Yeah, it's a really good point. What do you think life after Jaden Daniels is going to be in Baton Rouge for LSU? They're 16-1 to to win the title. That's as great as that offense was last year, Mark. They could not stop anybody on defense. LSU overs were like the best bet in college football. Yeah. It was Iowa unders and LSU overs. That was the best bet. So what are you doing with LSU uh, this upcoming season? Not much. I, I think that we'll see the offense take a step back, obviously, without Daniels. I think the defense will be better. I think they'll be around where they were, like competitive in the SEC, but not really a threat to kind of you know move forward in the national championship. It's going to be the most fascinating part about the college football season, I think, for me is, is you know, we talk about Alabama and the changes that they've gone through and Milrow gets Ryan Williams. It really just matters more how you're playing at the end of the year, like we saw with Alabama last year because of the playoff system. It's now it's just you. the regular season is not as important. And if you have everything, as long as you have everything in motion, you know, turning by the time the playoffs comes around, you can, you can make a move and, and you can get into the national championship where before you were much more dependent on how you performed early in the season, especially in the conference schedule after you got out of your non-con games. Uh, those early in-conference games were massive because you didn't want to dig yourself a hole. Um, and I, I think there's, for teams going through a lot of turnover or change, you know, like in Alabama with the coaching staff, you know, like LSU with losing Daniels, um, if they can just tread water and, and, and make it into the playoffs, I think you could see a jump. But I don't see it for LSU. I think that kind of more applies to an Alabama team. But that's the new landscape of college football where you don't really need to be that dominant in the early part of the regular season. And it's really just a matter of you peaking at the right time when the playoffs start. Are you a fan of the uh, 12-team playoff? Were you pro-expansion when all these conversations were going on? Yes. There is a better. There's nothing I despise more than bowl games where nobody's playing, right? <laughs> like, like, why are we playing these games if none of the great players are playing? How are we supposed to handicap these games when there's players on the field that we never even saw or ever even heard of? So I couldn't stand what bowl games have become. And I think that this is the best solution to it, right? You get more teams playing more meaningful games and you figure out, you know, who's the best team. You 12 teams, I think, is large enough to where you're going to get, um, you know, is the 12 team going to be competitive when they're playing, you know, the, the early games against the, the five seed or whatnot? Possibly not. I mean, the semifinal games weren't competitive. A lot of them weren't competitive. So that's definitely going yeah. to happen. But I think you give 12 teams a chance. You find out who the best team is. And I like it. I mean, I think, you know, listen, it's the NFL playoffs isn't always the best roster, you know, winning winning the Super Bowl. So I don't think if the college football crowns a champion that might not have been the strongest roster or the best team for the majority of the season, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I absolutely love it. I can't wait for the playoff. Mm -hmm. You know, in college football, just not all schedules, not all conferences are created equally, right? Like, it's just, it is what right. it is. Mm -hmm. The SEC this past year – was not the same league as the ACC, right? SEC was a way mm -hmm. better league. And 
it's just, you know, if you were fortunate like Clemson was for some of those years where you got to pick on some of those bottom teams in the ACC and you got a lot easier schedule, you got a easier route to the college football playoff with the 12 team kind of playoff allows for is some of these other conferences who have tougher schedules and play tougher games. It allows, like you said, they, the regular season in a sense doesn't mean as much. It still means something because you certainly have to win a certain amount of games. But I do think like those 6-11 matchups, right? Like that fifth best team in the ACC going up against maybe the second best team in the ACC potentially, like I think that's going to be a really good game. Like I think and what mm -hmm. I love about it is we can have some upsets early, but then I think the cream rises to the top eventually as we get later and Absolutely. later. We'll talk some more college football throughout the week here. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. Pat Boyle, though, host on w, uh, WFAN and CBS Sports Radio, joins us next. Let's get back to You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. You better you bet presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here with you on a Wednesday. Pat Boyle standing by. But a reminder that you guys can continue watching us on Stadium. You can go to watchstadium.com. Watch us there uh, for the next 40 minutes up until 6 o'clock Eastern time. We're still with you on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. You can also watch and listen to us on twitch.tv slash betql and YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, or can listen to us for free on the Odyssey app. Ch time to check in with our next guest, Pat Boyle. You can follow Pat on Twitter, X at Pat Boyle 44. He's a host for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio, and now is the co-host here of BetQL's weekend show, Five Star Weekend with Sean Marash. Pat, really appreciate the time, man. We'll get right into it. I see you rocking your uh, Nick shirt. They're in action tonight against the Magic. Did you uh, did you take anything in that Knicks Magic game tonight? What's up, guys? Yeah, appreciate you having me. Um, happy penultimate day before the NBA All-Star break. We have 13 games, so like I'm going to try to keep my head in six different places and not 38. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on. This is one of the best days of the year. In terms of my Knicks, uh, I don't have a single bet on the Knicks Magic game tonight, and I don't know if I will. Um, in terms of taking a side, I only bet on the Knicks. I never bet against them. Um, it just doesn't feel right tonight. I feel like would be a spot to bet against the Knicks with all the injuries piling up. But right now, I have no idea if Dante DiVincenzo is playing. Um, I just checked five minutes ago, unless something changed here. I don't know if Isaiah Hartenstein's playing. I don't know if Boyan Bogdanovich is playing. So there's just too many question marks for me here um, for this game, both from a prop standpoint and from a side or a total standpoint, uh, but plenty of other bets that that I would love to fire off with you guys here tonight. Pat, let's take a look at the, the uh, one of the most marquee games tonight, Clippers taking on the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Clippers have asserted themselves recently as one of the best teams in the NBA. The Harden trade seems to be working out. They're staying healthy. Uh, no Kawhi. I believe Kawhi is out tonight. How do you see this game tonight? Do you have any bets? And talk to me a little bit, if not, just about the Clippers in general and where you see them in the West. Yeah, I've got two for this game. Um, you know, just in, in terms of what the Clippers have done, I mean, they've been fantastic. You know, as, as big of a James Harden hater as I am and as big of a load mm -hmm. management hater as I am, um, you know, consequently enough, I actually want the Knicks to embrace 
load management, but that's like asking an old dog to learn new tricks with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, but the Clippers, since James Harden got acclimated with this team, I mean, they've, they've been incredible. I mean, I know they got run out of their own gym the other night by Minnesota, but their defensive metrics are right at the top of the league. Um, I think they – Again, this pains me to say this, but this is how you know it's true. I think that the Clippers have a legit chance to make a run at the Western Conference Finals here um, because Kawhi's been playing close to an MVP level. And, you know, again, without them managing his minutes and, you know, basically the the load management uh, every, you know, every so often. He hasn't sat out a ton this year, but he's, he's not playing tonight. Uh, they've just been – they've been super efficient. They shoot the three well. They've got role players that know their role. Terrence Mann, who's – who's tremendous for them, Norman Powell. And, and again, another guy that was screaming from the mountaintops that Russ is the most overrated stat patter of all time in the last 15 years here. Um, now he's, he hasn't been as bad. So they've been efficient. They've been good. But I, I like the Warriors tonight here in this spot. Um, you know, they have been – they've been great. And it's finally time for them to turn it on uh, with Draymond coming back. Their defense has been sensational, holding four straight teams under uh, 112 points. The big win on Saturday against Phoenix, they backed it up at Utah. Now they come home here, and, and with the Clippers missing Kawhi, I think this is a, a spot where the Warriors want to get as much momentum and really just feed off of everything they've been doing well the last couple of days here, the last two weeks. So I like the, the Warriors minus three or minus three and a half, whatever you guys have the line at here. I think you see two and a half. So I like the Warriors two and a half here. Um, and then a, a play I like from a player prop standpoint is, is Jonathan Kaminga over 19 and a half points. And again, that is mostly just because without Kawhi Leonard, what Kaminga brings to the table with his athleticism, the ability to get to the bucket, the ability to hit the mid-range shots. I know his numbers have been a little bit down since Draymond has come back, understandably so. But I mean, come on, he was, you know, putting up 20 points like it was nothing before Draymond came back. Um, obviously, he has earned the trust of the, the coaching staff there, and with good reason. I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago where he basically called out Steve Kerr and said, play me more, and then they did, and then he started dropping 25 and 30. So Kaminga's at 19 and a half last time I checked. Without Kawhi, I think he's a matchup uh, uh, nightmare for the Clippers tonight, and um, I, I like Kaminga over 19 and a half, and I like the Warriors to cover the spread. Pat, what about this Rockets-Grizzlies game? This game is a little bit of a funky spread. You got Memphis, who has lost nine in a row, but they're only two-and-a-half-point dogs at home to Houston. Is this one of those games where maybe Houston is overlooking one of the you know teams that's struggling the most in the NBA right now, just getting to the all-star break? Do you like Houston? Any props for you in this uh, game tonight? Yeah, well, after Monday night's debacle with the Knicks, I mean, don't even get me started. I want nothing to do with betting on the Rockets. I hope they lose by 30 points here tonight after that atrocious call uh, on Jalen Brunson. The worst call in NBA history. Let's let's call it what it is. It was the worst call I've ever seen in the sport of basketball at a professional level. Uh, and again, you know, basically flip a coin on what kind of Grizzlies are going to show up. They've basically been playing with just Jaron Jackson and Santi Aldama here the last couple of weeks. Everybody else bringing up from the G League. Uh, that being said, some guys have, have done a nice job for them, uh, like Gigi Jackson, I think. It's hard to keep track of, honestly, who's playing for the Grizzlies on a night-in, night-out basis. Um, but, I, you know, they've, they've given teams some fits, and they're playing at home. So, again, side standpoint, I want nothing to do with this. The one thing I'm looking at, revenge spot for Dylan Brooks here, right? I mean, after he got cast out of Memphis, he's been playing well lately. And I got him uh, just a couple of minutes before we hopped on at 16 and a half. So, this is, you know, this is just an auto like system play, if you will, here for me with, with Dylan Brooks coming back to Memphis. He's been playing well lately. He's going to want to show off for the crowd. 
Um, 16 and a half points, Dylan Brooks. I'm taking the over. Pat, let's head over to Philadelphia. Uh, Joel Embiid obviously out. They bring in Buddy Held. And I feel like the market is having a hard time, you know, how to rate this Sixers team. Four-point favorites tonight against the Miami Heat. Um, Heat been playing well. How do you see this game tonight? Yeah, to be honest, this is a game I want no part of, right? Because <laughs> the Miami Heat two weeks ago, two weeks ago, they were, um, you know, they, they couldn't win a game and they were getting run out of their own building. They were getting destroyed and even in good situational spots. And now all of a sudden, you know, heat culture, here they go. They're turning it on as we get close to the, the all-star break. Even without Jimmy Butler, uh, they blow out Milwaukee last night. You know, say it was at the Bucks, tired after the back-to-back. They had a play where they beat Denver the night before. I have no idea. And then, yeah, again, you know, this Sixers team, they've been up and down without uh, Joel Embiid here. So, you know, again, you want to put your money on guys like Buddy Heald and Kelly Oubre to not go a combined one for 17 from deep. Go ahead, have fun. I'm not touching this one. Um, but, you know, this is – like, I wouldn't be surprised if this game has 250 points. I wouldn't be surprised if it has 190. And it's, you know, like we're flat, we're, we're winding 12 years here. Uh, so this is a game. Good luck if you do bet it. I want no part of it. Pat, four games tonight on the NBA slate with uh, double-digit spreads. You got Boston at home against Brooklyn. You got the Pelicans home against the Wizards. Dallas home against the Spurs. And then the Suns at home against the Pistons. You say you got a ton of bets. Did you do anything in any of these games that feature double-digit spreads? In terms of uh, just taking the spread or buying points itself, no. Um, You know, the Celtics-Nets rematch, I mean – that's always tricky betting a home and home, especially when they play each other on back-to-back nights. And, you know, again, with the all-star break ahead, I think you do have to keep that in mind here. Some teams, you know, I've seen good teams go into the all-star break and they just, you know, kind of let the last game fall by the wayside, don't really care about it, don't seem to have a ton of motivation. I've seen bad teams do the same as well, and I've seen the flip side. I've seen bad teams going into the all-star break looking to just carry some momentum into the second half. So, 13 and a half is, is so many points. And, you know, I get it. The Celtics are great and they can beat any team by 20 or 30. But, and the Nets, you know, with since they've traded guys away here, um, they're just not a very good team. But, you know, they, they could easily keep this game close. Last night they got it down to six before Boston finished them off. But uh, the one play I do like in this one, um, a guy that they load managed last night, Kristaps Porzingis here. Um, I'm looking at his, his points in this one, over 21 and a half. You know, again, these two played each other last night. Now Porzingis is fresh. The Nets, uh, Ben Simmons is out, so you don't get the defense that Ben Simmons um, provides. The man of glass, of course, he's out again here for Brooklyn. So uh, Porzingis, whether they stretch him and have him shoot a couple threes on the perimeter, whether he attacks inside against Nick Claxton, who very inconsistent as a defender, I think Porzingis, just because he's fresh here and the Nets have struggled defensively, I'm taking him over 21 and a half points. And uh, and then I'm and I'm also taking Porzingis to hit three threes. It's plus one sixty. I mean, he's hit two, I think, in four out of the last five games. So I think to get another one at plus one sixty here again. Last night that game had thirty three pointers between the Nets and the Celtics. So you know they're going to shoot them. Um, and you think the guys would be a little bit tired. You think maybe a bit more propensity to shoot the three. So I like Porzingis over points, but then I'm also going to have a little bit on on him to hit three threes. 
Pat, I'd like to rewind to something you said. You know, you brought up Christoph Porzingis and how he's offload management, and that was part of the handicap and you targeting him tonight. Is that something you typically look at throughout the card when people are out on a rest day, coming back fresh? Um, is that like an area that you zero in? And then is there any other nuances with, you know, players being out that you like to target in the props? Yeah, I, I think just in general, um, when you get a you know, with you get a guy that didn't play the night before in a back to back then he's playing the next night. I think it's just logical to assume that Joe Mazzulla, who is a decent head coach at times, has his blunders with the last uh, you know two minutes calling timeouts, not calling timeouts. I think he has a lot to work on in that, and you know that's going to rear its ugly head in the postseason. But I think it's just logical to assume that Porzingis didn't play last night. Most of the starters played 38, 40 minutes. They're going to say, okay, KP, go and attack for us here. Go ahead and have a big first half, take the load off off of Tatum. Jalen Brown right now is a GTD, might not even play. And without Horford being out, Porzingis has to play more minutes, right? So I, I think Kristaps Porzingis is playing 38, 40 minutes tonight. I mean, that just tells you that he's going to have a ton of usage. The Nets, again, struggle to defend bigs. They struggle to defend the perimeter. Porzingis can do both. Um, and, and just in general, you know, when guys are injured, um, who's going to step up and fill that void? You know, for example, with the, with my Knicks, it's easy to talk about. Without OG Ananobi, Dante DiVincenzo has been asked to step up. So that in spots like that where you know a guy can play a similar role or he's going to take the minutes of somebody that plays a big role normally, I think it's worth, you know, taking the shot on that. And then again, you know, with situational spots with teams coming off of, off of back-to-backs, um, obviously tired legs, more likely to, to have a, a struggling defensive performance that's where I think you can look at a guy, um, you know, to exploit that. Pat, Mark and I yesterday, we were talking about uh, regular season MVP. Obviously, with Jokic being out, or uh, excuse me, Embiid being out for an extended period of time, that has made Jokic the favorite. And it's made the betting market interesting for maybe some of the other guys, SGA, Giannis, Luka. In your eyes, is this just Jokic's award to lose the MVP, or do you see value anywhere else? Yeah, PJ, I think we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago when I when I came on your normal slot. And, um, you know, I, mm -hmm. I said there's not really a whole lot of value in taking Jokic, right? I mean, he was he's minus, what, 155, minus 165 now. And I don't, you know, it's nice to, to, to hit on a long shot. You know, a week ago, my guy Jalen Brunson looked like a good bet, and, and now I don't think that, that it's possible that he's going to win the award. Um, Kawhi is another guy that, that on paper is a nice long shot, but – you know, just given his usage, and I don't think it's going to happen. So I really think it's a it's a four guy race. I think the the, the highest uh, odds that has a chance is Luca, but realistically, I think if it's not Jokic, it'll either be SGA or it'll be Giannis. And I, I think SGA at plus two fifty right now. The Thunder, they're right up there fighting for the one seed in the West. I mean, he is a walking thirty point bucket machine every single game. Um, he's got the usage. He also grabs the rebounds and the assists. You know, we know the voters love to have guys that you know, like Luca and Jokic, who can stop pad or, or not stop pad, but just actually get to the triple double. So he's got the ancillary stats to pr to prove it. And he's one of the most gifted scorers in the NBA, top five gifted scorers right now, and a guy that doesn't even hit a ton of threes. So I think SGA. Um, if I had to take a futures on the MVP, I'm not laying the juice with Jokic because you never know what can happen. If he gets hurt, you know, that basically is out the door. Um, I, I think it's either SGA or, or Giannis. But with the Bucks, how much they've struggled defensively and with Dame getting a lion's share of the offense, it doesn't seem like Giannis will be able to have those stretches where he's putting up, you know, 40-point double-doubles on a nightly basis. 
Pat, real quick, we got about 60 seconds. Any other plays on tonight's card that you like? Yeah, I'm just going to rapid fire a couple here at you guys. Um, Nuggets minus five and a half. Um, I know that Jamal Murray is unlikely to play, so is KCP, but the Kings coming on a back-to-back three and four on the road. The grueling game they played against the Phoenix Suns yesterday. We know that the Nuggets can play as a team without one of their stars, so I like the Nuggets minus five and a half. Um, I also like Nick Richards. You know, you're, you're talking about getting into the, the, the grittiness here. Nick Richards for the Charlotte Hornets, over 21 and a half points and rebounds simply because Atlanta's basically got nobody playing center. Anyeka Kongu's out, Club Capella's out, AJ Griffin's out. So it's Bruno Fernando. I like Nick Richards to have a nice day. And then Luca triple double plus 200. He's always got a chance to do it against bad teams. Love it. Pat Boyle, host, WFAN, CBS Sports Radio. And make sure you catch out, catch his show on the weekend with Sean Marash, BetQL, five-star weekend. Pat, great stuff as always, man. Good luck tonight. Thank you, guys. Hope Do good on your bets. Enjoy the All-Star weekend. Yeah, you as well. Bet Winstein joins us next. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. Presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Great stuff from uh, Pat Boyle. Appreciate him coming on. You better you bet. Presented by BetMGM, giving out some NBA plays. Going to give out some more NBA plays here in a bit with Ben Wittenstein. He joins us here live. But a reminder that uh, this is our final segment on stadiums. Make sure you guys go to watchstadium.com. You can check us out over there. Or you can continue listening to us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. We're also on twitch.tv slash betql and uh, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports as well. Time to talk some more NBA. We bring on Ben Wittenstein to join us. You can now uh, follow him on Twitter X at Ben Wittenstein, NBA betting analyst for Stadium and live on the line. Ben, we were just talking with Pat. We were talking about what a loaded NBA slate this is tonight. 13 games. Obviously, NBA All-Star break is coming up. So I want to start with this Nuggets-Kings game, which I think could be a a really good game tonight. Obviously, Denver, one of the top teams in the NBA, really good at home. What's the angle that you're looking at for this Nuggets-Kings matchup? Yeah, so I I really like the the Nuggets to cover this game, but there's a system play that I've been using this season that so far is undefeated that I really love for a game like this. And it always involves the Nuggets and it always involves the Nuggets first quarter. And it's usually the Nuggets going against a team that's on the third or fourth game of a road trip. They have to go to Denver and they have to deal with the altitude and they have to deal with being a mile high up in the air. And usually by the end of that first quarter, they're huffing and puffing and and they're slowing down and they get tired real quickly. That's why I love the Nuggets' first quarter in a game like this. Minus one and a half, you can get it in this one. Uh, Also, we're getting the Kings on a back-to-back, which I love as well, and off a game where they kind of went down to the wire with the Phoenix Suns. So you're getting a team already tired on a back-to-back. They have to travel. They have to go to the altitude, and they have to play Denver at home uh, and face a tough team who – not only do they have to face the altitude, but in the first quarter, the Nuggets are a really good team. They're one of the best teams against the spread in the first quarter in the NBA. So you have a couple different angles. It's a system play. I love it. So we'll we'll be a little degenerate and go with Nuggets first quarter in this game. I love it. Let's go to Philadelphia, Miami. Um, Sixers without Embiid. Tough to figure out who they are. Uh, small favorites tonight against the Miami team coming off a big win. But Butler, Richardson, Rozier, everybody's out. How are you attacking this game? Yeah, this is this is a really weird game because of all of the injuries. Butler, like you said, no Embiid. You know, Maxie's kind of by himself with some of these 
new guys that he has to deal with. And I know Miami is coming off. They're on a back-to-back, and they played a team in, in Milwaukee where I thought they definitely should have won that game. They played well. It was a revenge game for them. But I love Miami to cover and win the first half. You can get that at plus money. Um, with no Embiid and especially no Tobias Harris tonight for the 76ers, this team is 1-4 and four without Tobias in total, and their defense is terrible. 125th uh, is their defensive rating, which is by far the worst if you look at the season stats. I think the last worst in the season is the Charlotte Hornets at 120. So at 125, mm-hmm. it would be by far the worst defense in the NBA if they played without Tobias all season long. Uh, they're 11-6 and six against the spread uh, without Jimmy Butler in the lineup. And then also, I wanted to say with the Heat, they have the best defensive rating in the first half over the last five games. So this is a team that comes out firing. They're getting used to playing without Jimmy Butler, and they're playing a team in Philly who's still kind of trying to figure out how to deal without Embiid, how to deal with some of their new players. Uh, I love Miami in a spot like this right before the All-Star break. They're not a team that just kind of gives up and waits for their vacation. They they go and attack hard. Even off a of back-to-back, I think you're getting them at a pretty good number as an underdog in the first half. I, I love this play for tonight. Hopefully they uh, they play as well as they did last night against Milwaukee. They looked really good again tonight against the Sixers. Ben, what about the Bulls? You're there in Chicago. They're nine-and-a-half-point dogs in Cleveland tonight. Cavs have obviously been on a roll. They're, uh, they've won like nine of their last ten games. You think the Bulls can keep this one close tonight against Cleveland? Yeah, and I, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say I have lost a lot of money betting the Bulls this season, thinking they were going to be a lot better than they actually were. But nine and a half is, that's a little too much. That's a little too much for this team. The Bulls are starting to show a little bit of signs of life. They've won three out of the last four games, and they're starting to play some defense. They're top 10 in, or excuse me, offense. They're top 10 adjusted offense over the last five games. It's starting to come together a little bit without Zach Levine. We saw how well they did in December without Levine. They made a run. They started having people really believe that this team was going to be good. Levine came back, and they treaded water for a bit. Now they're not going to be without him for the rest of the season. They're stuck with DeMar DeRozan being their main scorer. Iodesumu has started to play really well. He's shooting lights out from three, and I expect that to continue tonight as well. So I like the Bulls catching nine and a half. Uh, they beat me a lot this season, but I have a pretty good feeling for this team. Nine and a half is just a little too much. Um, this is also a bit of a revenge game for them as well. They got beat up by the Cavs a bunch. So I, I like the Bulls in this spot. I mean, if it goes to double digits, I'm going to absolutely hammer it, but I love it, plus nine and a half. Okay, let's talk about Pacers-Raptors. This number looks a little bit short to me. Um, do you agree? Like, how are you? Do you have a bet on this one? Yeah, I, I was feeling that way a little bit, too. I like the Pacers in this one at minus three and a half. They're a team, they just got embarrassed by the Charlotte Hornets, and they were, I believe, a double-digit favorite in that one as well. I think it was about 10, maybe nine and a half at some places, but they should not have lost that game in any way, shape, or form. It's not a great Charlotte Hornets team, so now they have a bit of a bounce-back game. They're really good, guys. The numbers love the Pacers in a spot like this. 60% winning percentage against the spread after a loss. They have a 63% winning percentage against the spread as a road dog, and they have a 64% winning percentage against Eastern Conference teams. So you have all those line up. You can get them at minus three and a half. It's a little bit short of a number. The Raptors just, they're okay. They're not great. They're still trying to figure themselves out after the trade deadline. I think the Pacers, you know, they're ready for the all-star break, but this is the last game before they go back to Indian host. They're going to be wanting to win this game. They're going to be wanting to cover this game. And at minus three and a half, it's a bit of a short number. You're maybe getting a little bit of a better number since they're coming off a bad loss to the Hornets. I'll, I'll take them all day. 
So, Ben, again, the NBA All-Star break is coming up this weekend. So we've watched, you know, the first half. We feel like we got a pretty good read on these teams. When you look at the futures market, the Clippers right now are kind of the talk of the league. And it's tough to trust them. Kawhi's going to be out tonight if they can stay healthy in the postseason. Denver's the defending champions. But where are you on the Clippers as we head towards the second half of the year and in the postseason? Do you think they're legit contenders if you were making a bet right now in the west would you bet the clippers at plus 240 before you bet the nuggets at plus 210 yeah i probably would i was the biggest clippers hater to start the season and you look at their lineup and you you know paul george and Kawhi leonard two guys who just can't stay healthy and they're unreliable in terms of just being ready for these games but they've kind of proven a lot of people wrong they went on a great run james harden is looking like a good and decent player, and he fits well with that team. They're obviously very well coached with Ty Lu. I think this team might be sneakily making some noise. I'm kind of surprised more people aren't talking about them because of just how strong their recent run has been. Uh, I think towards the second half of the year, and as, as the season kind of winds down before the postseason, we might see them start resting a couple of their stars a little bit more, which might give people the false sense of confidence that they're just not going to be good because they might lose games down the stretch. But if everyone's healthy, and it seems like everyone is, Kawhi has stayed, for the most part, fairly healthy this season. Paul George has looked good and consistent. I think the Clippers team has a real good shot to not only make a finals run, but win everything. I mean, they have the pieces, the defense, the offense, the coaching. If all those come together and everyone stays healthy, which for the past month or two we've seen everyone can, I really do like this Clippers team, especially since they're kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Ben, if we're looking for a little bit more of a long shot, we go further down the board. I don't think anybody trusts Phoenix right now. But then you have two teams that really been a little bit of a surprise. You have Minnesota. You have Oklahoma City. Um, out of those two teams, like which one do you think is more prepared to make a deep run in the playoffs? Well, my heart says OKC, but my head says Minnesota. And the only reason my head doesn't say OKC is because just their youth, how young that team is. It's tough. When you're facing a lot of these teams with a lot of veterans and just the grind and the intensity of the playoff schedule, it's hard to put your trust in a young team like what OKC has. Minnesota has a couple more veterans. They can really rely on their defense and how good their defense has been this season. Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, a lot of people before the season really didn't think that pairing was going to work, or at least they weren't thinking it was going to work in the long term, but it really has. The defense has been great. Anthony Edwards has developed into a phenomenal basketball player, and Mike Conley has been a great veteran for that team, and they have a lot of different pieces that fit so well together that I think they're built more for a playoff run over OKC, who, you know, they're going off vibes. They're going off Shea Gilgis-Alexander being a 30-plus point-a-night score and just an absolute bucket. But once the playoffs come and the intensity is turned up and the defense turns up, it's hard for me to see OKC facing that fire and succeeding in a seven-game series. Minnesota, on the other hand, defensively, they're great. They can rely on that, and I think that will take them far in the playoffs. I would take them over OKC if I'm putting money on it. Ben, Mark, and I yesterday were talking about most improved player. Maxie's the favorite at minus 250. Shane Goon is plus 500. Kobe White plus 700. And Kaminga at plus 900. Kobe White and Kaminga are pretty interesting. Would you make a bet on either of those guys maybe to win most improved? Yeah, I mean, the homer in me uh, loves Kobe White and everything that he's done for the Bulls, especially with how much Levine has been in and out of that lineup. Kobe's kind of really come out of his shell. He's shooting more consistently. His passing is just phenomenal. Sometimes he looks like a serious distributor of the ball. He's playing with confidence, and he's carried the Bulls to to be 
somewhat respectable for a lot of these games, and he's a big reason why they've won a lot of those games. Um, of course, Tyrese Maxey's going to be the favorite and how well he has played and how well he's done for the 76ers, but I do kind of like Shangoon. I mean, 5-1, to one, that's not terrible odds for a player that's improved his points per game, seven-plus points per game more than he played last season. He's assisting on more baskets. He's playing more minutes. So his minutes goes up, his production goes up, his value's gone up, and he's another big reason why the Houston Rockets have been – respectable and making a playoff run possibly towards the end of the year. So Kobe, my heart and my Bulls fandom and my bias love him. And I think he should win the award, but Shane at five to one is not a terrible number to get for a player that not a lot of people are talking about or really seen because the Rockets aren't on national TV a ton, but he's a big reason why the Rockets have really taken such a big next step. All right, Ben, real quick. We got about 60 seconds. Let's talk about coach of the year. You mentioned the Clippers, the job that Tyron, Tyron Lou has done. Any value out there in the market? We know Dagnall's the favorite, but if we're looking for some you know, good plus money, where, where should we be looking at? Yeah, and I hate going to you know the number two guy, but I, I do love Chris Finch at plus two fifty. Mm-hmm. I believe he is. He's he's coached, and I you know I just ranted and raved about how good the Timberwolves are. But you know we go towards the beginning of the season, we rewind back there, and people are really skeptical that Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and how well those two were going to work together. And throughout this regular season, they've just proved everyone, including myself, very wrong. That defense is phenomenal. Rudy Gobert is fantastic. You know, there's such a there's a big reason why he's such a large favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year. Carl Anthony Towns is really fine and, and fit his role just a little bit. And Chris Finch has developed Anthony Edwards at an astounding pace to the point where Anthony Edwards is one of the top superstars in the league at this point. One of the names everyone kind of knows. He's starting to become a household name. So those all are big reasons why. Chris Finch should be getting more recognition. They're the number one team, and I think they're going to push even harder towards the end of the season. More You Better You Bet coming up next. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. 